1: It's time once again for another look into God's infallible book, and we want to welcome you to another broadcast of the Riches of Grace. My name is Richard Jordan, and it's my privilege to be your host and Bible teacher each week as we meet here. Around this radio microphone and your uh, your radio, in order for us to study God's Word together, we trust that our time together in God's Word will be a rich help and and blessing to you as we look into the pages of God's Word to allow the Spirit of God to teach us uh, from His Word. You know, there's no greater privilege that anyone should have uh, could have than to study God's Word, and uh, that's that's such a a wonderful opportunity and privilege. We'll look today at something the apostle Paul said right before he he departed this life he said in second Timothy chapter number 4 i have fought a good fight i have finished my course i have kept the faith in order to have that kind of confidence he had to have he had to know some things one one he had to know what the good fight was two he had to know what his course was and he had to know what the faith the the, the doctrine to believe was acts chapter 20 The Apostle Paul, when he's uh, describing to the Ephesian elders his ministry, he says in Acts 20.24 that um, none of these things, the the difficulties that uh, had been predicted to happen to him, none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. Well, what was the course that he had? and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. The apostle Paul received from the Lord Jesus Christ uh, a ministry to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. Now when you look if you compare that with Colossians chapter number 1, you'll see something about what that ministry is and how the apostle Paul conducted his life in such a way as not only to, to do what God told him to do but also to give for you and me an asset that will allow us to do the same thing. That is, will allow us to fulfill the ministry that God has given to us. Colossians chapter 1, verse number 24, Paul says, "...who now rejoice in my suffering for you, and fill up that which is behind the sufferings of Christ for in my flesh for his body's sake." which is the church. Now, Paul's not saying that Jesus didn't suffer enough on the cross to pay for your sins. You know that. Uh, Jesus Christ died once for all. And uh, that one payment was uh, uh, sufficient and totally uh, acceptable by the Father. And you know that it completely put away sin. The Bible says that, that the Lord Jesus Christ put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. He was made sin for us, and he appeared the second time without sin. The only reason that he could have been resurrected from the dead... Peter told the the nation Israel on the day of Pentecost that it was not possible that death should hold him. Why? Because he'd put away sin. The wages of sin is death. If there had been one of your sins, one of my sins, one of anyone's sins, that hadn't been completely and totally satisfied uh, uh, by the death payment of the Lord Jesus Christ, then death would have held him. Well, the fact that he's resurrected, Romans 4 says he was raised, he's delivered for our offenses, he was raised for our justification. You see, the resurrection declares that his death was a sufficient, total, final payment for sin. Anyone that wants to re-crucify the Lord Jesus Christ, anyone that wants to have another payment for sin, anyone that needs another demonstration of God's love, God commended his love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, anyone that does any of that is saying the cross work was insufficient. God, on the other hand, said the cross work was absolutely sufficient, it put away sin, and therefore he raised the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 6 says he was raised by the glory of the Father. So the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's a finality of dealing with sin. Then there's the reality of his resurrection life that testifies to that reality. So the Apostle Paul, when he's saying here that I'm filling up that which is behind the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, is not saying that Jesus didn't die to pay enough for your sins that there's something left over that the cross didn't take care of. Now, what he's talking about is the, the things that he suffered, the, the difficulties that he encountered as the apostle of the Gentiles uh, preaching the um, Jesus Christ according to the revelation of this mystery that was revealed to him, the secret program that was revealed to him, the, the, the things that he suffered because of that were really not focused on him. They were really not aimed at him. They were really aimed at the Lord Jesus Christ. But you see, you can't get to the Lord Jesus Christ today because He's in He's in heaven. But Christ was in Paul. You remember Galatians one verse fifteen. He says that when it pleased God that that He separated me from my mother's womb and called me by His grace to reveal His Son in me. Paul told the Corinthians in Second Corinthians thirteen. He said, "You seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, Jesus Christ." By his spirit was in the Apostle Paul speaking, and the world's attitude toward Jesus Christ hasn't changed. The same hatred, the same animosity they had toward him when he was here in his flesh, walking as a man among us, is the same attitude he has toward uh, the Lord, that it has toward the Lord Jesus Christ living in and through the Apostle Paul. It'll be the same attitude it has toward you and me. People that, that hate truth, <laughs> are going to hate when the truth is preached, you see. And that's what Paul's saying. And he says he did all that for the church, for the body of Christ. All the things he suffered, he did so that you and I could have a message from God. Verse 25, Colossians one twenty-five, whereof I made a minister. Talk about the church. According to the dispensation, here's the here's how Paul was made a minister. According to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Now, what is that dispensation given to Paul to give to you and me? Even the mystery, which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. You see, there was a secret plan and purpose that God had. 1 Corinthians said he ordained it from before the world began. Then he kept it secret since the world began. Romans 16.25, he says, it's the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest. Colossians one twenty five, twenty six, 26, he says, it's the mystery, the secret, which was hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. You see, there was a program called Prophecy in the Bible. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 21, Peter says, It's that which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. If you can understand English, and I'm assuming you can because you're listening to this program, then you can understand that God has had a program in his Bible from Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. It says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. From that moment the focus has been on his purpose in the earth. And it's been spoken by the mouth of all the holy prophets since the world began. But then you come to the Apostle Paul, and you learn that God had a another program, another plan, which he kept secret since the world began, but now, through the minister committed to Paul by the Lord Jesus Christ from heaven, has been revealed. Now, if you never could understand anything else in the Bible... If you take Acts 3.21 and put it up next to Colossians one twenty six, you can tell they're not the same. You don't need a college education to understand that. You wouldn't have to know anything about Greek or Hebrew or systematic theology or any denomination or church's religion, religious systems. All you would need is to read a King James Bible and look at Colossians one twenty six and compare it with Acts 3.21, and you'd get it. Someone asked me just the other day, said, Brother Rick, you know, I'm not really uh, too too uh, swift in these things, but I can see that. Why can't everybody else? One of the reasons is they just never look at the verses. I had a man some time ago, and we talked about these things, and he went back to his um, room in his hotel and came the next morning and said to me, Brother Jordan, why did I never see these verses before? I I don't know. They're right there in your Bible. I didn't sneak into your room overnight and write them. They've been right there. The question isn't so much, why haven't you seen them before? The question is, what are you going to do with them now that you see them? You see, understanding the Bible doesn't require uh, the highest IQ level. You don't have to be a member of NINSA. You don't have to have some special code. Somebody's always looking for secret codes, you know, the wealth code and the, the Bible code. You don't have to do all that stuff. God didn't write his word to hide it from you. He wrote it so that the wayfaring man, though he be a fool, could not err therein. But you got to read it, and you got to study it, and you got to see what's there. And God says, I gave you a new program, a new dispensation, a new administration through the apostle paul no one prior to paul ever knew anything about it but now i've laid it out and it's in my word and i want you to notice colossians 125 the reason he gave this to the apostle paul was to fulfill the word of god in other words there is something very special that happened with the revelation of this secret given to the apostle paul it fulfilled God's Word. It completed, it filled God's Word full so that nothing else could or needed to be added to it. Your, your Bible today is complete. Nothing has been left out of it. There's nothing that needs to be added to it. You have the completed Word and revelation from God. Have you ever heard anybody say, "Well, you know, we need to seek God on this matter and find out what God is saying"? That God wants. You know, your preachers do this all the time. This is, I call it preacher talk, and they don't mean what they're saying. They're just trying to trying to sound like they know what they're talking about. Well, God has led me. God has spoken to me. God is telling us, and then they tell you something on thing to do with the Bible. God has spoken to you, but it's written down in His Word. God is telling us, but it's written down in His Word. God is leading. Listen, if a guy says God spoke to me. Ask him, book, chapter, verse, where is it? Show it to me. And if it did isn't in the book, then it wasn't God talking to him. J. Vernon McGee used to say that, well, he probably just had a bad pizza last night. Well, I don't know what he had last night, but I know what he's got today. He's got a hallucination. If you want God to speak to you, he already has. And he's finished everything he wants to tell you. Now, you'll notice in Ephesians 1, verse 9, Paul says, "...having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself." Now, you think about that. If God has made known the mystery of his will, then is there any hidden will of God left that you don't know about? Now, just think about that. Put that into your mind. If God says, I've revealed the secret of my will, then you have every word of God available to you, and the process whereby you have it is in God's written word. Paul said, this revelation, this mystery, this secret that God hadn't told you about, it's designed to fulfill, it's designed to fill up God's word to the place there isn't anything left. You say, but what if God had something else he want to say? He says he's told you everything he wants to say, and that you and I, when we possess God's written word, have every word of God. Now, the process whereby we get God's word is important, and it's something that, that the Apostle Paul is talking about here in regards to he finished his course, and he's left us, with a with with, with, with tools asset, in order for us to be able to do exactly what he did, and that is do everything God told him to do. Second Timothy three, sixteen. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, that the man of God may be perfect. We say, what does that mean? Thoroughly furnished unto all good, unto every good work. You see, God in His Word has given you and me today everything we ever need to do, everything He has for us to do as members of the body of Christ. His Word is complete; it's been fulfilled. Now, the process whereby God gives His Word, there there are four. Four things you have to think about in, in relation to how God has given us that completed, sufficient Word of God. First is the issue of revelation. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 9. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. In other words, by your eye, by your ear, and by your heart, you cannot perceive the things that God has... But God, verse ten, hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. There are three ways you know everything you know. One is you know, I, your eye hath not seen, your eye, that is, you observe it. We call that empiricism, empirical evidence. We can see it, we can sense it, we can feel it. You have five senses that relate to it. We observe it through empirical evidence. But some things you don't, you don't know by empirical evidence. Some things you, you're. Uh, your ear. You hear it. Well, what your ear hears is words. The ear strives words as the mouth tastes meat. You hear words. Words are th- are thoughts. You have a thinking process. And you have the uh, uh, rational, logical thinking processes. If this is true, then that's true. And you can deduce things. So you have empirical evidence. You have reason or rational, logical evidence. And then he says, The heart of man. Well, with the heart, man believes. So you can have faith. Now, faith is not a blind leap into the dark. Faith is you take evidence, and you trust it because you hear what it says so you have faith your heart and man believes you have the ability to to hear it that is you can logically deduce it and three you you have the ability to see it the empirical evidence and by those means by every way you have of knowing everything you have to know you can't know what god is you can't know god there are things about god you can never figure out but verse 10 and never read first corinthians 9 without verse 10 but God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. There's some things you can't know by yourself. There, 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 some things that come have to come from outside of your ability. So God has revealed those things. And he revealed them by his Spirit. But how does his Spirit do that? Does it just come down and hover over and talk to you? Well, verse 13, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. Now, where do you find the words that the Holy Spirit teaches? Well, that's what we call inspiration. 2, Corinthians, 2 Timothy rather, 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now, inspiration, inspiration, you see the word spirit right in the middle of that word? Uh, you'll hear it defined as God-breathed, and that's true. God takes his spirit, his breath, his spirit, and puts it into some words, and then he that's revelation. And then he causes them to be inscripted, written down. That's what scripture is. The word script means to be written. He writes those that revelation down in a book. Inspiration is God putting the words of his revelation on a piece of paper so that it's written down. So you start out with revelation. And then you have inspiration where he takes that revelation that he's given and then he writes it down on some paper, and we call that inspiration. And then once he's inspired, he has these words in which his spirit resides written on a piece of paper. Isaiah chapter 30, verse number 8. Now go, write it before them in a table, and note it in a book. He's taken the revelation God gave him, writes it down. Why? That it may be for the time to come forever and ever. That's what we call preservation. In other words, God wrote it. He spoke it. He revealed it. And then he wrote it down. And he wrote it down so that it could be preserved from one generation to the next. Matthew chapter 22. The Lord Jesus Christ. Some people are asking, Sadducees are asking him some questions. Sadducees were the the liberal uh, religious leaders of his day. And Jesus answered him in verse Matthew twenty two twenty nine. He said, "Jesus answered and said unto them, You do err, not knowing the Scripture, nor the power of God. For the resurrection in the resurrection they shall neither marry nor give it in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. But as touching the resurrection of the dead, have you listen? Now, have you not read that which was spoken unto you by God?" Well, no, they didn't have the original writings of Moses that's he quote he's going to quote Exodus chapter three in a in the next verse. They didn't have the original manuscripts. You ever hear preachers say, "Well, we believe the Bible's inerrant and perfect in the original manuscripts. Jesus didn't have the original manuscripts when he said that, none of the people that he's reading had them. You know what they had They had his word preserved in copies. And the copies that they had weren't even in the, in the same language that Moses, Moses wrote that down in originally back in Egypt, back in Exodus chapter uh, 3. They had the preserved Word of God in written form, and Jesus said, What haven't you read, it's written down, that which was spoken to you by God. That's the greatest definition of inspiration there is in the Bible. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus said, Man shall not live by by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's what it means to be inspired, to be God-breathed, to have God's words written down. Those words had been preserved through the copies of Scripture all through history, And they had them right there. And by the way, that brings you to the last thing, and that is translation. You go back to Colossians chapter 1, interestingly enough, and in verse number 23, Paul says that this message that he was given was preached to every creature which is under heaven. Now, if you preach to every creature which is under heaven, the first thing you have is a language problem. Do you remember in Zechariah chapter number 8... Where uh, about verse twenty and twenty-one, where he says that ten men out of the, out of every language, uh, men out of the, ten men out of every language of the nations, are going to come to the Jew and say, "Let us go with you, because we've heard God is with you." You ever wonder why God gave the nation Israel the, the, the gift of of speaking in tongues, speaking in foreign languages that they never previously learned? Because if they're going to preach to the nations in, in the kingdom, and they're going to fulfill Zechariah 8, verse 20 and 21, they're going to need to be able to translate the message into the languages of the nations. So when Paul says this message is preached to every creature, listen, translating God's word has been something that was an understood issue from the very beginning. So you have revelation. Written down, it becomes inspiration. Then it becomes preservation, where it's preserved, and then it's translated into other languages. By the way, when God's Word is translated into other languages, it's still as much the Word of God in the receptor language as it was in the sending language. Now, this is why, you know, I talked to you about the King James Bible issue. This is why it's an issue. Because if you have a King James Bible, you have every verse God put in His Word for you to have. Now, if you've got a new Bible, the ESV, or the a, new ASV, or the, or the uh, even the new King James Bible, by the way, did you know that the new King James Bible, for example, the word Lord, leaves it out about 60 times? I mean, if you want every word that God put in His Word, there's only one Bible in English you can use, and that's the King James Bible. It has every verse that ought to be in the Bible. It omits every verse that shouldn't be in the Bible, you know, take your Bible, look at Acts chapter eight, verse thirty-seven, and see if it's there. If it's if it's missing, like it is in the modern versions, well, then you're you don't have every word of God. Go to Mark chapter one, verse two, and if it says as it is written in Isaiah the prophets, and then it quotes Malachi, well, then you don't have every word of God, because if it's supposed if it's written in Isaiah. And it isn't in Isaiah; it's in Malachi. Then Isaiah is missing something, or Mark chapter one verse two is incorrect. That's called an error. You see, you can study a, one of the modern versions, and they will testify to you that they are incomplete and that they are that they contain errors. You cannot believe in an infallible, inerrant, perfect Bible if you use any of the modern versions. But you can if you use a King James Bible, because all the verses are there. And they're all all there. And it's complete. Nobody in time past, nobody before the Apostle Paul, could say that they had every word of God. With the revelation of the mystery, it completed God's word. And now, not only was it completed, it was written down. Not only was it written down, it was preserved. Not only was it preserved, it's been translated into our language. And we can understand it. Now, that's mostly not appreciated. That you have God's word in your hand to hold. When Paul says in Romans three, I'm sorry, Romans four, verse three, what saith the scripture, you see the written word of God is meant by God to be the absolute final authority in your life and my life. And if you don't actually possess a book that is that contains the revelation of God written down, inscripted preserved through history for you, that's been translated into your language, it's of no value to you. The authority. Every bad doctrine. Listen, every bad doctrine has to change this book. You go back to Genesis chapter 3. Yea, hath God said. The issue is the authority of God's Word. And Paul left us with a completed Bible so we could have that complete revelation from God. First Thessalonians two thirteen, he says that the word of God works effectually in you that believe. God's word will have an effect in your life if you believe it, and if, you're, if you claim to believe God's word and it doesn't affect your life, it's because you don't believe it. I look at the clock. I got to go. Geez, I don't. It's hard to believe. <laughs> Our program's over almost. Can I tell you? I'd like to give you a free Bible study along this line. It's entitled. God's completed Word. You need to understand how and why and and, and know for yourself that the Bible that you possess is the inerrant, infallible, perfect Word of God, and then how it can be the authority of God in your life. I'd like to give you this Bible study, the completed book. I'd like to give you that. You, You call us. 888-535-2300, 888-535-2300. The folks that answer the phone, they'll know what you're asking for, and they'll get it for you with my compliments. 888-535-2300, that's the number to call. Can I tell you that if you're interested in studying this issue more thoroughly, we have a four-tape study an album, uh, where we go over the issue of inspiration and preservation in great detail. In fact, the study goes through the actual process of that God has set up in His Word for the preserving of the written Word of God and the people that He's used and uses to do that, so that when you come to the end of that study, you have a, a doctrinal understanding not simply of what inspiration is, but the actual process of preservation that God says to do it. The new Bibles uh, all use a certain there, there – there are only so many manuscripts, ancient manuscripts, between five and 6,000. The new Bibles pile up that information one way. The received text of the Protestant Reformation Bible, the King James Bible, it organizes that information in another way. They're all organizing the same basic information. Now, the key is if the King James Bible and its predecessors organized the information in one way, and you come up with what's called the received text, and the new Bibles, well, they organize that same information in a different way, come up with what's determined term, usually the critical text, Which one is right? Well, it's just left up to you to decide that, or for some human viewpoint or some naturalistic view to decide it, unless you have a specific doctrine in the Scripture that informs your thinking. That's exactly what you have. There is a a specifically designed doctrine all through Scripture about preserving God's Word. The, the the process, the people, the way it's going to be done is laid out. You'll never meet one Bible teacher in a thousand that, that use something beside a King James Bible that know what this doctrine is. You won't meet one in a hundred King James guys that know what it is. A lot of folks believe the King James Bible just simply out of the fact it's what they've always believed. Do you know that? Well, I didn't start out with the King James Bible. I started out with an American Standard many years ago. But I learned this doctrine, and it changed my mind. If you'd like to understand the doctrine of preservation, I've got a four-set, four-Bible study album I'd like to tell you about. Now, I can't give it to you. It's too much for us to give as a free offer. I'll be glad to give you the free uh, Bible study uh, about uh, God's completed Word. But if you'd like to study on preservation... Uh, it sells for $15, and I'll be glad for you to you, – you can have it. Call our office, 888-535-2300, and they'll tell you about how to get that study. can also tell you that there are people in your neighborhood, in your town, in your area, that put this Bible study program on this station you're listening to. And they would be happy to talk with you about this information. They can help you with the same information that uh, we're talking about here. If you'd like to know about a group in your area that understands God's Word rightly divided, that not only understands it rightly divided, but we're the grace life. The life of Christ in you, the hope of glory, is the real issue. Then I'd like to put you in touch with them. You call us here at 888-535-2300, and I assure you they would be excited to hear about you. We'll tell you about them, and you can be in touch with them on your own. By the way, we have a website, graceimpact.org, graceimpact.org. You can go there, you can re-listen to this Bible study, you can hear our regular Bible studies uh, that we put out each week, and I'll be glad to hear from you that way also. Graceimpact.org is the website to look at. Thanks for being with us today. Till next time, Maranatha.